glad you're here. It's really a wonderful time of the year for me personally. I love, I told you last week, one of the things that I like is, you know, I used to like the smell of that grass. It was baseball season. Man, I used to love baseball. Are we on yet? There we go. I love baseball. I could not wait for baseball to start and, you know, get to play baseball. And uh, it was just something about it. Now, I, I can't even hardly watch it on TV, but I do watch some of the highlights. And uh, that umpire I saw the other day, Coach, if he had another eye, he'd be a Cyclops. <laughs> That's a coach joke. Today is uh, a season for first fruits. It's a beautiful, beautiful season. It's a wonderful time of the year. I see, you know, I've looked to see who, who all's been given so far, and, you know, I, it's the people of faith. And it's really, first fruit really isn't necessarily that much at the step of faith as it was when we first started it. <laughs> How many of you know we first started it, we did it the civil year on January the 1st, you know, that was, you know, that was right after Christmas time and all those things. And, and people still, uh, faith gave. And I just appreciate, you know, uh, and I love the fact that people have faith in God. And so, uh, I want to talk to us about, you know, I, I rejoice with it. I see it. It just, it just makes me rejoice when I see because I know that that process of the angel of, of the Lord being released into your life is the only kind of thing that's going to make us able to make the grade. And that's the title of what I'm trying to speak to you. It's about making the grade. And as I was meditating this week, you know, I've, I found this out. When we get into a certain cognitive lock-in, and we are committed and loyal to that belief system, even in the face of truth that denies that what we're believing is true. I was speaking to someone recently, you know, I was speaking to him, you know, this, this lady was talking to me about the Antichrist. And, and of course, I, I like answering because it gives me a chance to say things to people who are really has the same argument that person does. And I can address those things from the scriptures. And so this lady was talking about the Antichrist, and I was saying that there's nowhere in the Bible that the word Antichrist is used about the Antichrist or any man, and that there's nowhere, you know, in the book of Revelation it talks about the Antichrist or an, or an Antichrist. It's only five times in the Bible, in the, book, in the epistles of John, and it really has to do with uh, the denial of people who denied that Yahshua was born with sin flesh. And, you know, it's that he, it has to do with pre-existence uh, pre and all that kind of stuff. So those were the Antichrist people who left because they believed that Yeshua was this, you know, uh, this superhuman being that, that couldn't even be tempted. And, and so anyhow, this, this one lady, she begins to tell me, she said, well, she disagrees with me. And I, you know, and I understand. I used to disagree with me. But what happened was, I, you know, when I, she told me, I said, well, where is this Antichrist that you're talking about? You know, I, I believe it's already happened. We know it did historically with Alexa uh, Pope Alexander, Pope Diocletian. Uh, um, the, uh, there's like three or four during their time frame is when the mark of the beast was given and people were forbidden to buy or sell. Now, people believe that the Bible, book of Revelation, it hasn't yet been fulfilled, even though the Bible says these are the things that will happen shortly after. That's what Yeshua said to John on the Isle of Patmos, shortly after. 
So historically, you can line the Bible up historically with history. And then you'll understand a lot more about what we don't understand about. And so that's what I've taken years and years and years to do. And so I, I know that what happened about the mark of the beast has already taken place. It was already given. People were forbidden to buy or sell. And I know what the, who the beast was. The beast was not a man or a person either. It is a metaphor, just like the fire-breathing dragon and the sword that came out of a man's mouth. That, that, that ain't real. We do understand there's not the big woman sitting on the sun. We do understand that. It's metaphoric. The whole new, uh, book of Revelation is metaphoric. And so we see how those things ever come to pass. So I asked the lady, I said, okay, uh, then where, where is it? So she does what most people do. They'll do a quick search on the Internet, and they'll copy and paste things. And she talked about the beast and the false prophet and this and that and that and that. And I said, okay, but you never, you've never said Antichrist. Because when somebody believes in the Antichrist and says Antichrist in modern Christendom, you know what that means, don't you? That there's a man that's going to show up. He's going to come on the scene, and he's going to try to take over the world and give us all a mark so we'll go to hell. Y'all know who I'm talking about, right? We know it well because it was ingrained in us. by like one, Number one thing, you, people don't realize they're influenced by Milton's uh, Paradise Lost or, or uh, uh, what's the other? Uh, uh, Dante's, thank you. Dante's Infer uh, the Inferno book. Um, those are things... That, well, one of the books that influenced us so much was, was Hal Lindsey's Late Great Planet Earth. Whether you ever saw the book, heard of the book or not, you in modern Christendom has in, been influenced by that book and what his interpretation was. Well, even though the word Antichrist is not in the Bible, even though there's nothing about an Antichrist in the Bible, this person that I talked to, who I love, I've not, I haven't seen them in years, but I love them, and I'm, I understand where they're coming from, but they could not, could not believe and will not receive the fact that that just ain't, that ain't going to happen. It's already, it already happened. And there's just nothing in there. Well, there's something in there like that in the book of Revelation. I said, no, there's nothing like that in the book of Revelation. It's already taken place. There is no Antichrist. And, of course, they do the 1,260 years. They, they get it out of some book. And you know what? They don't even know what that means. All they know is that it is what they use to uh, give a basis and a foundation for what they say they believe. 1260 and 1260, they don't even know how people came up with that, what that means, the first part of Yahshua's ministry and the last part and all that. It's complicated. And that's why people don't know because they're too lazy to study the scriptures. It's like learning to play the piano and most people hadn't got past pork, uh, pork chops. I think the Lord's speaking to me this morning. <laughs> I think I'm going to have pork chops today. <laughs> I, think, I think it's a word, pork chops. <laughs> I, I can't get past those pork chops. I don't even like pork chops, do I, honey? Yeah. Now, <laughs> chopsticks. I'm Chinese. I'm having Chinese is what I'm having now. They can't, they, you know, it was, it was funny. Bella, of course, is very controlling. Y'all know that, right? Y'all know who Bella is? Bella Carroll? You know, she's, she's controlling. She'll come to my office and take over. Watch this. Why do you do that? Watch that. Let me have that. Give me this. So today she comes up here, and uh, she said, get over here. So I walk over there to the keyboard. Show me how to do this. <laughs> I said, well, you need to take lessons so when I get old, you can, and, and I, I can't play no more, 
I said, no, I'll be dead. They didn't want to. Uh, you can take my place. She wanted, she wanted to learn. Well, you know, learning music, learning to play the piano takes years. It takes years. These people that are concert pianists, they didn't just get the Thomas Book A and open it up and start playing yesterday. So it's easier to just accept what I believe and be comforted in that and not have to pressure yourself under the anxiety of what if you were wrong. And when somebody gives them an option that where they might be wrong, how many of you know they get, they get anxious and defensive and mean? So today, I want us to talk about making the grade and what this process really is about because it's just so easy to believe that you're just a sinner saved by grace and God just loves you. Man, he loves you so much. He, he cares about us so much. And he just died on the cross and he paid for our sins. And then what he did is now it's done with. And, and, and I, I get it a lot from people who are proud that they are sinners. I'm just a sinner. There, there's some kind of pride about that, you know. But God loves this old sinner. He loves me. And he, 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 he loves that old sinner Johnny. Good old, good old boy Johnny. I don't have enough change in my pocket to be a good old boy. Good old boy Johnny. With no clue that there is a progression. Now I know that. I know that. And I know that most of you know that. But, it's, but even though we may know something sometimes, i got to tell you, you can be like that lady who, okay, the Antichrist is not there, but guess what? This is what I'm going to believe anyhow. I've already decided to believe this. This is what I've always believed, and I'm not going to change what I believe because that's what I have chosen to make my stance. And so these are subconscious things in us, and what I, we've called core things, that cause us to respond. So Yahweh is in the constant Continual process of changing us. Do you hear me? He is committed to you getting a well done. He is committed to you getting a well done. He's done all things and provided all things, the Bible says, that pertain unto life and God-likeness, godliness. What does that mean? Well, you don't sin no more. You know Noah was a righteous man. You know what gospel he preached? Don't sin no more. That's the gospel he preached. Don't sin no more, excuse me, anymore. So what he does, he puts us what some people have called a crucible. He puts us in that place that he's continuously refining, continuously working, practicing, perfecting the art. He's continuously working on us as his project and molding us into a shape that is not like the shape of the world, that the likeness will be like the world, but it'll be like the shape of Yeshua, the pattern son. And he's molding us into that and getting us into shape because if we can't fit into that mold, then we will not be fit for the kingdom. Y'all hear me today? So he's, he's making us where we can fit. You know, I know people who have, let me see, let's just say, fluctuations in their weight. They say, man, I can't even wear these clothes no more. Sometimes that's a negative thing, and I can't even wear these pants anymore. Sometimes it's a positive thing because you can't wear them because they're too big. You're being shaped, formed, to fit into what God has called us to be because what God is doing is he's committed to manifest a people in the earth who are God-like, the God people, 
People who look like God, act like God, want like God, live like God, desire like God, dream like God, desire, love what God loves and hates what God hates. That's what he's doing. Not saving people from hell and not saving people to go to heaven. It's just not even in the Bible. And when you tell somebody that, their cognitive lock-in is this. I've already decided this is what I'm going to believe. It's like somebody in an abusive relationship. They continuously are in denial and will continuously believe sometimes till they get killed. He has these situations of always testing us. How many of you ever gone to school? <laughs> Did they ever, have you ever heard of a thing called an exam? Anybody heard of an exam before? A test. Well, that exam is to find out what you know or don't know. When you have a test in something, you go to the, the doctor for a test or an exam. There, now They're finding out what you are, what's wrong with you and what's not wrong with you. So these situations come where Yahweh is giving us testing. And he gives us these time periods of relaxation. Not relaxation to, to go and sin and live any way we want to. Look, total freedom given to a person have, don't work. You give people total freedom to do whatever they want, it don't work. It don't work. Well, I'm just free in Jesus. Yeah, yeah I know you are. And it don't work. I said, this testing, I have, I have to choose to submit and obey and modify my behavior and form my thoughts by the way that he wants me to think. And if you don't change the way you think according to the scriptures, then you're never going to change. And regardless of this, of the cost, of the, my feelings, of my justifications, of my fears, of my rights, or even if it's, I think it's fair or not. Now, this is what I thought for years. I thought that it was, this test was for him. Okay, he's going to test me to see, so he can see if I'm really serious or not. I found out, this is what Yahweh told me a while back, long time, really. I think I've shared this before. These tests ain't for you, Johnny. I mean, ain't for me, Johnny. These tests are for you. I already know your heart. I'm showing you these tests are going to reveal to you what's really in your heart. They're for me. They're, to, they're for me to figure out what grade I'm in. <laughs> what? <laughs> We're going to give you a test. If you moved a lot when you went to a new school, they would give you a test to determine what grade level you were at. And I don't care when I was a kid, if you were 12 and you had a kindergarten grade level, you were probably the biggest person in kindergarten. Because they would put you right in that class. They wouldn't bump you up to your 12-year-old class because you're too stupid, too ignorant. It wouldn't be fair to you either. So we're going to give this test so your parents aren't going to get mad when they realize that their son is not sixth grade level, he's kindergarten level. When I choose my own way, and I do it my own way, let me tell you what I know. Let me just say this first. Without the Holy Spirit, you are nothing. You have no life. The Holy Spirit is really the breath of life in you. So the very thing that gives you life, and especially gives you the ability to live the kind of life that God requires and that you should want to live, it's amazing to me that I hear, I'm telling you, y'all got to be careful because I'm going to go off on some people talking about how hard it is to serve God. Look, I've been around people that don't serve God. Serving God is the easiest thing I've ever done. 
Because sin will take you further than you ever want to go, keep you longer than you ever want to stay, and cost you more than you ever want to pay. That old preacher was right. And it may not look like it, and you may be thinking you're having fun and freedom, but I want to tell you what, the wages of sin will bring death in every arena of your life, not just physically, but emotionally and relationally, psychologically. People don't receive the gift of repentance. They don't think they've been saved from nothing. They just made the decision to join something. I want to tell you what, God saved me from something. He saved me because I know where I was headed I know where I was going. People that have been forgiven much loveth much, the Bible says. I remember, and I do not have fond feelings of all the good stuff I used to do because I have feelings of shame, Joel, of things that I've done. And I didn't live that long, but I did a lot of things I'm ashamed of because I'm ashamed of sin. I don't relish in it. I don't think it's good. I know how it kills and destroys. And when I choose my own way, that sweet, wonderful, precious Holy Spirit of truth gets grieved and it causes me to get depressed and have anxiety. A lot of people's problems in their emotional realm is because their Holy Spirit is grieved in them. How many religious people do we know that are just, you know, all over the world, preachers are committing suicide. They're trying to teach them how to rest. Take a sabbatical. When the Holy Spirit of truth is grieved, it produces irritability. It produces uncontrolled emotions. And for me, I just get miserable. I used to really care about my golf. I mean, I cared about it. I was serious about it. Serious. So much that I could walk in the door after golf. And before I got to the living room where my family was, Vero and Linda would say, you didn't play good, did you? I ca- it just came through the door with me. They hadn't seen my face. They hadn't heard me talk. They say, you didn't play good today, did you? Irritable. I'll tell you what else it does that I can't take. It makes you always seem so far away. So far away. I say, Yahweh, why, why, do, you feel, why do you feel so far away? He said, because I am. I'm so far away from you, Johnny. I'm right back at the place where you chose your way over mine. You came to the distazo in the road. That's why you don't feel me no more. That's why you don't know me no more. That's why you don't have faith no more. That's why, because you have taken a wrong turn. That's why you always say, look, we're in a time of resetting. We're in, a time, we're in rehab right now for people that have taken wrong turns. And God's given us this chance. The angel of the Lord has come and has given you an opportunity. He's given me an opportunity. Don't think that this word is just for you. I take this word from me, and I share what God's saying to me with you because I know it applies to you too. What are you doing, Yahweh? I'm proving you again. I'm showing you what grade you're in, Johnny. I'm delivering you from darkness and a carnal, fearful belief. I'm I'm telling you. I'm showing you. Here, here's the test. What are you going to do? Test comes. If I fail it, I know where I'm at. Oh, man. I failed again. Oh, man. Sometimes I'm like, hallelujah. Through Christ in me, I have overcome when the grim reaper came back around to visit me. Because he will come back. And it ain't a he, okay? That's metaphoric. That refiner's fire of Yahweh, I'm so thankful for it. I'm so thankful for it. You know, I'm going to be 67 this year. The years just seem like they're flying by. Anybody know the feeling? Next thing you know, I'm going to be one of those people that, they, that people say, hey, you remember that guy that used to be up there maybe? I mean, there's people all over town. I was telling somebody, all the old timers when I came here in 80, they're all, they're all about gone, man. Oh, yeah, that, 
yeah, that's a nice house. So-and-so used to live there, but he's dead. Oh, yeah, you see that business? There used to be a big building there. The guy had a big business, but he gone. You, ever, you know the feeling? You ever know this feeling? You know, just yesterday, just yesterday. I think I've said this before. I'm, I hate to keep harping on it, but, you know, you remember holding you. Don't you, don't you miss? I'm, I'm, I miss Jonathan. You remember Jonathan? Little guy, man. He's my, he would say, I said, what's your name? He said, Johnson. I still call him Johnson because he couldn't say Jonathan. He'd sit up. <laughs> yeah, I didn't use seatbelts. Who did? He'd sit in the tr car or truck next to me. We'd go. Little old guy, man. And then Coopy came along, you know. Coop, I'd, be, I'd come home from being out to eat for dinner. Gail would be babysitting the boys, you know. And, and I'd sit down in my chair in and, and our mobile, little mobile home up here. And, and Josh would jump in my, my lap like a little monkey and smell my breath. Wanna know where I've been eating. <laughs> he still does it. Where'd you go? Where'd you been? I was getting breakfast at McDonald's the other morning. I get a text from Josh of my picture of my car in the drive-thru at McDonald's. <laughs> I said, I'm getting an egg and <laughs> I'm getting an egg and cheese, an egg and sausage bagel. Since you have to know. Oh, I miss those little guys, man. You know, ugh, ugh. they're big and hairy and just all kind of stuff. Just yesterday. I can tell you this, and I say this not in pride and humility, but I can tell you I know Yahweh. I don't know him as good as I want to know him. But getting to know him, you have to get to know the real him, or you will never know him. And I believe Yahweh knows me. And I'll tell you something that I do, for, and I know for real, I know his ways, but he also knows mine. You know, listen to me now. And because of that, I believe he allowed me to be able to accept truth. Instead of me saying, well, no, no, I, this is how I always believed. That's what it was. See, he is my Elohim Adonai, which means he is my, my great God and master, Lord. People don't want that word anymore. Lord, master, I am his servant. I'm a slave. I'm his prisoner. And I'll tell you, I've overcome many things in my life. And I broke the pattern of what was handed down to me through my fathers. The worst one being Adam. Hey, can you, can people, you know, inherit things from their father? Yeah, we all did, sin nature. I think that's a good principle. I think we can in inherit it. Man, I've, I've overcome things, even, even though the old grim reaper will come back in the cycle time, and he will see if there's anything left in me that still wants what God don't want from me. But what does Yahweh do? He keeps putting me in retraining. I have a rematch. He puts me in that refiner's fire. He's burning away all that fleshly motives. You know, he'll make you so sick of the flesh and sin sick that you don't want nothing to do with it anymore. You'll be so sick and tired of sin. And, and see, but the problem with sin nature is it never goes away. You have to die to it daily. You have to crucify it daily. You have to choose against it daily because it don't go away. The only time it's going to go away is when you die, literally. So we have to go through this refining, purifying process of trial. It's the proof that you're his son, the correction. No, that ain't how you do it. We went the other day, uh, you know, to they have a, certain days of the year you go watch your grandkids do what they're, whatever they're doing and they do all kind of stuff i mean noel got soccer i went yesterday to see noel play soccer 
I went, so I had to go to the dance thing. Oh, man, I get nervous over there. And so the granddaughters are over there, and they at this dance thing, and so we have to sit and watch. And so I sit there watching them, and I want to tell you something. Those teachers don't play. Oh, do it again. No, do it again. Do it again. Do it again. No, do it like that. Don't do that. You do this. You know, do that. Do it again. Do it. And those girls just, man, they're just getting it. They want to be a dancer. They want to do it just right. Try so hard. I said, that's it right there. That's what we're doing. That's what you always do with this. No, do it again. You didn't get it that time. You missed it this time. Hey, do it again. Uh, get your butt up and do it again. Don't lay down there. Get up. Oh, you're not going to get up? There's a penalty for it. It's a proof of sonship. Now, I want to tell you, you may not believe this, but I am a very emotional guy. As a matter of fact, recently, my people, some say I'm dramatic. I was even called dramatic by a man who I thought was my friend. Because my wife told me this. She said, you know, I've read a thing where if, if a perfect marriage is a dramatic man and a, 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 a solid, you know, stable wife. I said, baby, we got it. We got that. I'm dramatic. I'm, I'm, I'm dramatic. I'm not a drama queen, but I might be a drama king. Sometimes I can hear Yahweh in the silence. He's saying nothing. Seems like nothing's going, nothing's happening, but I, I hear him. And sometimes I can hear him when I talk, when I speak. Things will come out, and I'm like, man, oh, yeah, that ain't me. And in times that I've been in despair, when it seems there just is no justifiable answer to be given. In the range of my emotions, I will do both. I will hear him while I'm speaking, and I will hear him in my silence. I've learned from the scriptures and from being a son of Yahweh that he desires me to be genuinely honest with my entire range of emotions. And he gives me, I feel this safety and freedom that he allows me at times to approach him and lament to him. You know where I learned that at? The book of Lamentations. I'll tell you what, these, these prophets were drama kings. And usually when he lets me lament to him, I'm not talking about complain or not have faith or not believe in him. I'm going to serve him though he slay me. That's just the way it's going to be. He wants to pour me out. I'm there. But it, it usually brings tears of healing to me just that I know he allows me to share let my emotions get out and that he is listening to me that he's listening to me I love that about him even when I get mad I mean, something happened this week to me I got mad this week something got mad, something that I think is slanderous to a person it's misrepresenting to a person uh, and I, I'm, I'm, I'm not gonna discuss it I wouldn't I didn't sin but it made me so angry that you know I get mad. There's been times that I've cried about you. I see people falling away and making, you know, decisions in their weakness. I've cried out to God on your behalf. And I've cried out to God on, on, on my behalf. And I've yelled at God. Let me tell you what I did. I really let God have it. And in letting God have it, I learned how to let God have it. Are y'all hearing me? I let him have it. What do you, look? What's sad about it is it always goes back to me thinking I'm more than I am. Do you know what I, never mind. Do you know what I've, never mind. I was going to say sacrifice. You know what it's cost me? It ain't cost me nothing. It's cost me everything that's bad for me. 
But it's not brought nothing but blessing and life and joy and peace to me. Even in the times that I may lament or cry or yell. Listen, you've got to learn this. Because when you're in despair, what you've got to learn how to do is, like me, just really let Yahweh have it. You know, let's just really give it to him. Pun intended. Did y'all get the pun? I'm going to give it to him. Here, I'm going to give it to you. I'm giving it to God. What? Here it is. I'm going to really let God have it today. Here, God. In our quest for immortality, there's more than just one level to achieve. <laughs> Ask Jesus into your heart and pray a sinner's prayer ain't even a level. It's not it got nothing to do with anything in the Bible. Sing into my heart, into my heart, in my heart, Lord Jesus, come in today, come in to stay. It has nothing to do. Even if his name was Jesus, it has nothing to do with you coming and praying a, a sinner's prayer at an old-fashioned altar. And I, look, I love that stuff. Dude, I used to thrive in that altar stuff. Y'all know, I loved it. You know, there's times that I just can't listen to some music. There's some music I just can't listen to. And I'll tell you why. I hear these bands and I hear musicians. I mean, I've told my wife this probably a bunch of times. I really wish... I had invested more in music. I mean, really, what I do on the keyboard, it isn't much. You can tell. But this was my prayer. I mean, my first instrument was a guitar, and I learned it to a level that I can make people. I could use it to sing and, and do what I wanted to do and all that. But I am nothing. I mean, I wish I had really learned how to play the guitar. As far as the keyboard goes, this is what I say, Yahweh. I would like to be able to play the piano good enough to worship you. That was my desire. So guess what? He gave me that ability. The only time I play the piano is on Sundays. I'm not most of that. I'm just telling you. I wish that I had invested more in music. So, and I, when I hear guys play, I'm like, I should have, I should have tried harder. I should have invested more. I should have pursued that harder. But see, that wasn't. That was my dream. That was my dream. And as stupid as it may be, my dream did not survive the cross. My dream, as dumb as it may be, I might be, you know, a homeless guy in Nashville. But I went back to Columbus, save up some money. I was going to go to Nashville because I thought I could be somebody. I know I'm better than Luke Bryan, though. Right now, hands down, I can sing better than Luke Bryan. I mean, anybody can. I just got to tell you, some people, y'all heard them before. You say, how did they get there? So I got interrupted by her. <laughs> I was interrupted. And so, you know, my dream was interrupted. Yahweh, I mean, and I like this dream better than I did the Nashville dream, I'm telling you. If I hadn't done, if I'd have done my dream, I wouldn't be married to this wonderful woman that Yahweh's given to me. Who wants to die before me? Who, who's ever going to love me like this? I want to die first. And the way she was driving, we were almost both died the other day. <laughs> Holy smoke. I said, I changed my mind. Just let her go. Let her go only, Lord. And more important is that as much as that is such, so important to me. My very life. If I'd have done that, the biggest travesty would be I wouldn't know the truth. <laughs> See, our transfiguration takes place from glory to glory. I taught you that David spoke, and you know from the scriptures, as these plural gates and courts, not gate and court, gates and court. So we enter each gate with thanksgiving. And we enter each one of these courts with praise. And as you do, you rejoice. Why? For he has made me glad. He, you will become glad. 
As you ascend the mount of God, as you become more like him, when you go from the first grade to the second grade, it's the one, the first day of school used to be great. Remember when you were a kid, first day of school was so great, couldn't even go to bed at night. You know, you, your, mama didn't pull, your mama didn't pull out your brand new blue jeans. What she did, she took last year's blue jeans and rolled the cuff down one more. Put new patches, iron new patches right there. I'm like, my daddy got a job. Why are we living like this? <laughs> oh, my God. I'm glad. I'm glad. I'm glad. I don't look back and say, man, I wish. I, I, it hits me sometimes, but then I remember the joy and the gladness that God has given me. In the process of this happening, you're going to learn about yourself. And you're going to learn about the triggers that you have in your life. Your triggers that, that trigger doubt and unbelief and fear and that makes you want to sin. There are triggers that do it and they were developed in you at some time in your life. You said, like what, Johnny? Wherever that sin that so easily besets you that has triggers. A song can trigger. True? Oh, man, I wish... Oh, I remember that. Oh, I should have married him and not this fool I'm married to. You know, I remember that day. Where, nah, he was a fool too, trust me. And once you learn yourself, you get these trigger warnings. What they do, they give you a chance to identify and prepare for the potential sin and even the ability to avoid the sin. Uh-oh, uh-oh, run. It's a youthful lust. The Bible says to run from youthful lust. Run, run from youthful lust. And that's more than just sexual stuff, guys. These steps of ascension up the mount of our own transfiguration. The Bible says it becomes brighter and brighter. And the higher we climb and reflect God's character, the more we become like the image of the invisible God. So we're ascending the hill. We're getting more and more like him. We're loving what he loves and hates what he hates. We're becoming more godly. And what happened is the sins that so easily beset us begin to fall off of us. Most people try to handle their sins in their own power. Okay, I'm just, I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to do that. Okay, you're going to do that maybe for a while. What I'm talking about is the process leads to everlasting life. The opposite of this would be the desire to be like the world. Worldliness, world-likeness, to think like them, to want like them, to dream like them, to see yourself and envision yourself like that. I want to be a musician. Then I would have never ascended the hill of God so I have the opportunity to become more like him. There's not many, many musicians who express the image of the invisible God. Would you agree? Huh? Turn the TV on and see. The Bible calls this desiring to be like the world, is worship. And it's called worshiping, not the image of the invisible God. I'm quoting that in quotes. The scripture says that. But it's worshiping and wanting to be like the image of the beast. Those steps aren't ascending. They are descending. They don't come into light, but now it becomes more darkness in us. And we live secret lives and we hide things because you don't want your wife to find out and you don't want your husband to find out. And so when you have secrets like that in relationships, what happens is then it deteriorates the relationship and you don't ever have intimacy. And again, I'm not talking sexual only. So what are we trying to be like? 
These things lead to everlasting death. As we just said, I want to be like the world. I want to have this like the world. Listen close. The only hope of glory, the only hope for us eternally, the only hope for us to ascend the hill of God is to have Christ in us. The word Christ is not a name. It is, it is the anointing, the anointing, the Holy Spirit. And this redemptive plan of Yahweh is so radical that it empowers you, it empowers you, it empowers you, it empowers you to live godly. It empowers you to be godlike. Hallelujah! That's why when, he, when, when Mo, uh, Noah was preaching righteousness, they didn't have the spirit in them that, that gave them power over sin. You say, well, I can't have power over sin. Then you don't have the spirit in you. You are climbing not up the hill, friend. You are descending down the hill. Case closed. Yahweh desires that we all be his new creation Having him as our new nature. We have a sin nature, but we have one greater than that in us. I'm not talking about people that want to turn over a new leaf. Look, turning over a new leaf ain't going to work. Except for a little while. He wants you and I to express him. Not just another good version of you. You know, old Johnny man, he, you know... He don't do that no more, and he don't do that no more, and he don't do that no more, and he don't do that no more. Yeah. He's not developing spiritually. And what's going to happen is, eventually, you will cycle. Now, i got to tell you this story. Reggie came out Friday and played golf with me out on the course out there. And I hadn't told my wife this. And in the evenings, I sit outside, and, you know, and I look at Facebook, and I meditate, and I study out there, and I relax, you know. And, and I was out there the other day. And I had a vision. Now, when I say a vision, it's not the spooky kind of vision. So I began to tell my wife this vision. She's, I said, but it's not a spooky vision. No, it's like some you think. It's just a, this thought that you have. And as I began to tell her, she said, no, I think you might have had a real vision. I said, no, it's like this. If I, if I said, let's say somebody can think. If I said Ronald Reagan right now, your mind puts, gives you a mental picture. You have a mental picture of him? Y'all see and a vision to me is a mental video where you can see it's kind of like I say it's kind of like daydreaming you know it's not you don't it's not here you don't see a vision but it's envisioned in my mind I saw and what I saw and I was telling Reggie this and I said man I don't think I've told Bevy this but I saw myself this vision of me and I was standing on a stage and I had I had on a cap and a gown graduation I had the tassel here it was blue Blue cap, tassel, blue gown, and I'm standing up there, and there was a couple people around me that I don't remember who they were, if they were anybody I even recognized. And so I said, you know, I'm at my graduation. Hallelujah. I had a, a multicolored, like red, white, and blue ribbon with a big gold medal right there. And I was like, I didn't see what was on it, but I knew it was gold. So there I'm standing, and I'm I was just, I felt proud, you know. I was like, man, what an accomplishment. So I'm thinking, you know, is God, Yahweh telling me I'm getting my well done or whatever it was. But anyhow, that, and then all of a sudden, the announcer stepped up with a microphone and he said this. Now I present to you our 2023 graduation kindergarten class. Okay, I get it. Kindergarten. You got a way to go, Johnny. They'll graduate you at kindergarten. You get a little diploma and everything. 
So I guess I want y'all to know I've graduated kindergarten. I got my little diploma. I don't know what this gold said thing said, but uh, probably you have, you've got a long way to go. See, my daily struggle is to lift my little mind to the infinite greatness and the glory of the divine call of a God who's calling us to be part of him, to become into him. And the abilities I have in Christ that he's given to me to overcome sin in my life, I have the power to not sin and don't listen to any preacher that tells you otherwise. I'm not saying you might not sin. It says if you sin, it don't say when you sin. I got to tell you something. You know, I came here the other day. Kids want everything. You know what I'm saying? Go in my office. Kids, the kids with you. Can I have that? Can I have that? Can I have that? Hey, what are you going to do with this? What are you? They just plunder through. And so, I uh, forget who it was. But anyhow, they, they saw that I, I will not negotiate bracelets in there. And I said, uh, they said, can I have one? I said, yeah, you can have one. And I want to tell you, that's still my cry. I hope it's our cry. I'm not going to negotiate this. I hope you don't negotiate. And as we get empty, then Yahweh pours us out. And I realize that our, my flesh can profit me nothing. Then the insecurities can get created by the total abandonment of relying upon me. Because oh, that's the first thing we do. I'll take care of this. I've got this. I'm going to make it work. I'm going to do this. I'm going to pan. I'm going to do it. It's required. That total abandonment of reliance on self is required for true faith and true trust. And I'm going to tell you, many times that's made me feel like this little boy crying out to his father in the night. I'm like, oh, help me. Anybody felt like that before? Help, man. Daddy. There's times, man, I'm going to tell you, I think I have overcome when that grim reaper, reaper comes and looks to harvest from me some seeds that were falling by the wayside that I never got rid of. And it takes cycles to do that. Man, I made a new commitment. I'm going to serve God. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do the right thing. Here I go. Watch me do it. And this is what happens. After the honeymoon's gone or whatever, the cycle comes back around. And you, if you're struggling, that sin will visit you again. And in your field will be some extra, even though we've cut the sin off, it may be sprouted up because we didn't pull it up by the root. Or there may be just some seeds that fell to the wayside. And that thing will come back. And it's not an entity. It's not a personality. It's not a being. It's a process. And harvest time comes. And guess what? Then we're going to see, is there, have you nurtured that sin or have you really been have the power of the spirit to cripple that thing and destroy it and put your foot on its neck to cut its head off like david or is this something you made a decision that you're going to try to do and then when it comes back you don't really hate what god hates and you don't really love what god loves, and it gets exposed and i want to tell you what it's a worse feeling you'll ever have if you really love god but guess what i i believe it is I believe it's just a rematch. You know what a rematch is? Okay, we had a fight. I fought you. I beat you. He wants a rematch. Our life is a cycle. Everything we do cycles. Do you understand that? Here we go. I don't know about you. You know, I told y'all, uh, I mean, I've had the temptation to, to get another car. It's just that time of the year. I have, I have certain things that I look forward to. Somebody, we're going, oh, got to get a boat. and do the boat thing now. I'll, oh, I got to do the, the, the whatever it may be. Fall time comes, you know, it's football season. We have these cycles. We live in cycles. We're people of, of pattern. And our life is a cycle. 
It's a solar system within itself. And your world revolves around you. Somebody told me, you think the world revolves around you? I said, it does. My world revolves around me. Your world revolves around you. Matter of fact, the whole universe is really about me because I'm the one who has to deal with the stuff. Y'all know what I'm saying? I'm not saying everybody has to, is my, that your universe revolves around me. I'm saying mine does. Every single person on this planet has a different world on the inside of their heads. And that makes the world about you. So tell me today, what are you going to do to change the world? Are you a world changer, Johnny? Absolutely. I can change my world. Hopefully, I can help you change your world. Seems the moment we think we stand, we cycle around and are faced with the same opponent because we take it lightly. It's over. It wasn't that bad after all. And we begin to compromise. That rematch is going to reveal, okay, here it is. Here's the rematch. It's going to reveal how far we've really come. It will reveal if we're still doing it in our flesh or if we've learned to overcome by that spirit word. By the power of God that we have relationship and fellowship with, with him, with the word, the ecclesia, to be uh, joined to one another. See, all true relationships are involved in exchange. Do you know reconciliation can't take place unless there's an exchange from both parties? You can't reconcile alone. I'm here today releasing to you the gifting that's in me. And you must release something back. Our relationship with Yahweh is an exchange. I, I exchange death for his life. I give him me, he gives me him. I exchange mourning for joy. I, I give him my mourning, he gives me his joy. I exchange my seed for his harvest. I give him seed and he gives me harvest. It's really simple. See, freeloaders are takers. There's no exchange involved. They're going to take, and they're going to take, they're going to take. Have no kind of, no, no, idea. you know, there's more. Th if, if I give somebody money, I don't expect them to give me money back if I give it to them. But the fact is, there should be some type of exchange back. Maybe, hey, thank you. Or maybe, hey, whatever it, they, they may have the ability to do, to encourage or something. The overcomers are givers, and they exceedingly give abundantly above and beyond cheerfully because they know. Because if you have, let me tell you a story in Leviticus about a man who had a field, and he grew his crop in the field, but right in the little corner of his field, he had an area set aside, and everything that grew in that area he gave to the poor. See, my, my field was just at 10% for a long time, but I really didn't have, didn't give to the poor. Until I learned that what I do to others, God is going to do back to me. Do unto others, you have them do unto you. I do for others, I, and that's what I believe. I believe when I bless people and help people, that that's what's going to come back to me. If I believe if I give, it shall be given to me, pressed down, shaken together, and running over, shall not fall from heaven, but men shall give into my bosom. I believe that. So I'm in control of the reciprocity and of the relationship, and I'm in control of the exchange. Sow a lot, you reap a lot. You sow sparingly, you reap sparingly. So I had to learn how to expand my corner. I had to put the poor in there. And I always give to the poor and the needy. Always. Always. Because the Bible says, I don't do it just for this, but the Bible says if I give to the poor, it's like lending money to God. And he pays huge interest and pays back the principal. People, people, 
People don't realize these things. They're still in kindergarten. Once you are taught, and once you understand, and you believe how to release the angel of the Lord, one of the things he's going to do is what? Lead you through the land of your enemies. How many times he's going to have to take you through there? How many rematches are you going to need? Until you overcome it. And if we continuously stay in sin, we're never going to be able to face our fears and intimidation. We're going to whine and complain. Why did you do this to me? What do you mean? Give you victory? Let you win the championship belt? Make you an overcomer? I'm doing that to you? No, I'm giving you the privilege and the honor to have victory in your everyday walk, in your everyday life, in your thinking, and in relationships and every other area. Until this happens, you're never going to be free. You'll never be free. You'll be a Christian that goes to church but never has walks in the power that gives you free from the the thing that you don't know that you need freedom from, and that's sin. Paul said it this way. Listen to this. For though we walk in the flesh, we don't war according to the flesh. The weapons of our warfare, which are not of the flesh, but divinely powerful for the destructions of fortresses, we are destroying speculations and every lofty thing raised up against the knowledge of God. I love this translation where it says that we are destroying speculations. And every lofty thing raised up against the knowledge of God. And we are taking every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. And we are ready now to punish any disobedience. Look, I've already whipped you twice. You still want a rematch? Come on. Because I can avoid it. And I know I have the strength of it. Instead of falling victim to that same sin that's going to ruin something in your life. Whenever your obedience is complete. Let me just tell you something I've learned. If you don't punish your disobedience by obeying, Yahweh will. Yahweh will punish your disobedience. And don't say it's not fair because you do it to your own children if you love them. Here's the problem. You can be a really good church member. And you can remain the same day by day and year after year. It would be tragic to have passing through so many tests and trials and sufferings and still remain the same. It's horrible to get held back every year. I will tell you, I love the fact that uh, Johnny and Kim came up and shared the testimony about first fruit offering. I don't promote it big, you know, even though I want to, so because I know the power of it. And she, you know, they talked about not just the financial aspects. I mean, it's huge. Their financial increase has been huge. But greater than that is the relational stuff. I know people that have so much money hadn't talked to their son in eight years. Not everything, man. But estranged from their daughter who wants nothing to do with him for like 20 years. They got all the money in the world. They got beautiful home cars. They do whatever. They travel. They do whatever they want to do. They got it. But guess what? Their son is estranged. So proud of my, also of my, my son-in-law and, and Veronica. Who, they got up and shared. And, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm proud of all my family, of course, but, you know, they were, they got up here and shared and, and, uh, you know, when, do y'all mind me sharing this? You know, David, when he first came here, of course, you know, David just don't buy into something. If y'all talk to him, he don't buy into something. But they started giving their first fruit offering. You know, it went from, let me just put it this time, it, from when he started, his, his weekly first fruit check was four times the amount of his first one. Change that takes place. Somebody says, well, you talk about money all the time. Well, I don't know about you, but I need money. You know, anybody else need money? Huh? Everywhere I go, they want money. I 
don't care what you do. You want, you want money for that? Okay, here. Go to the grocery store, get some food. They're going to want some money. So I'm, don't, don't act like, you know, not y'all. Don't act like money ain't important when you spend most of your time every week trying to get it. Don't, you can't lie to me. God has a plan. You do it his way. It always works out best for you, even if you're just too immature and too doubtful and too impatient to let it work. And because what will happen then, in another year or so, you'll look back and you'll say, man, you'll, you'll be agreeing with him. You don't want to be held back every year. That's embarrassing. In order to achieve his renewing work in us and his renewing work with us, Yahweh must become our life and nature within us. Not just Sundays, not just church, not just somehow we're Christians. I mean, the word Christian was slanderous against the real church. Did you know that? In addition, whether you want to like it or not, or anybody likes it, Yahweh controls the entire universe, and he'll use all those things in order to renew us. He uses our environment in order to work his life and nature in us. He will use the universe to change your universe. And without that environment, we're never going to get renewed. We're going to do what? Remain the same. we got to be filled and led with, filled with and led by Yahweh's spirit word. Our communing with Yahweh through prayer, obedience in everyday life, gathering with the ecclesia must become our spiritual breathing. You know, there's people who want to talk to me about things and they don't come to church. And they, I'm like, well, that's a bigger sin than what you're worried about sin. You've got to be part and understand that there's life that gives through this exchange. And the exchange happens just like it did when I walked into my house. My children didn't even see me, but they knew I had a bad golf game. We can know and feel and receive. So when I, sometimes when I look out here and I see people, it, it just encourages me. It inspires me. Otherwise... We're just going to be some good Christian man who stop doing some bad things by our own willpower. But I guarantee you, if that's how you're doing it, you'll just start doing them again and worse. And I'll tell you something else will happen to you. You're going to be tired. Sin will make you so tired, man. Tired. Psalm 119, 1 through 8. I'm almost done. How blessed are those whose way is blameless need to turn that TV off and all the crap on, excuse me, stuff on there and start getting in the Bible. Can I get one amen out of that? Huh? Three of you. That one-eyed devil coming in from the roof. How blessed are those whose way is blameless, who walk in the law of the Lord. How blessed are those who observe his testimonies, who seek him with all their heart. Oh, I, this is bread to me right here, y'all. This is the bread of life right here. They also do no unrighteousness. They walk in his ways. You have ordained that your precepts that we should keep them diligently. Oh, that my ways may be established to keep your statutes. Then I shall not be ashamed when I look upon all your commandments. Check, 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 check. Smiling, check, <laughs> check, check. I shall give thanks to you with uprightness of heart when I learn your righteous judgments. I shall keep your statutes. Do not forsake me utterly. This is what the New Living Translation says. I will thank you by living 
as I should. I will thank you by living as I should. How powerful that was to me. Oh, I thank you, Lord. I lift my hands. There's nothing wrong with that. But I know how to thank God. By, I do it by living the way I should. Did y'all get that? Yahweh's purpose is to fill the earth with people who are righteous people. And that is still his purpose. And he's going to fulfill that when Yahshua returns to set up his kingdom. When Adam sinned, Yahweh had three options. Number one, just wipe everybody out and exterminate the whole human species, get it over with. Because he was, he, he was sorry he made man. Or number two, he could have used the toleration of sin method, the gospel preached today, and let someone else pay for the sin. Just declare everyone positionally righteous and ignore their disobedience. That's what I was taught about righteousness. E.W. Kenyon and all that whole group, you know, Word of Faith Movement, Hagen and all those guys, you know, Copeland. They, we're, we're positionally righteous, which means you're not, but you're claiming to be. It's like Christian scientists. You, you know, I was with a guy years ago. We were looking at an apartment. We were uh, in college, and we were going to rent this apartment. We go up to this man's apartment, and he had this real, really ugly, bad cancer on his face, on his nose right there. So we began to talk to him and, you know, try to love on him and all. And my friend that I was with me, he, uh, he asked him, he said, well, do you go to church anywhere? The guy said, yeah, I'm Christian science. He said, oh, Christian science. He said, well, you don't believe that big cancer's on your nose, do you? I'm like, dang, well. <laughs> and that's how the, you know, things that are not seen. Not, listen, I believe in confessing all those things too. But, but listen, what I'm saying here is we don't say we're righteous and ignore our disobedience. Oh, I'm position i'm positionally righteous with god the law against sin and at the same time leave the door open for mercy to repentance and obedient sinners he upholds his law against sin and leaves the door open for people for his mercy to people who are repentant and obedient sinners guess what he did he chose door number three he still hates sin he will not tolerate sin and he did not send his son to shed blood so we could just continue to sin now think, here's something I want you to chew on this week. I was told and I was taught that Yahshua paid my debt of sin. I haven't even heard that before. You might have heard it from me. He paid for my sins. You know, sometimes we need to look at something from a different angle to get out of the, the, the mindset of what we've been taught. They say, he's your substitute. He paid our debts. Then our debts, if they were paid, means that you were not forgiven. It would be absurd for a creditor to talk about having forgiven someone's debt that somebody paid for. He didn't forgive the debt. He let somebody else pay for it. You hear what I'm telling you? Forgiveness of a debt is when there is a release from the obligation without a payment. And if Christ died for instead of us, which they say, then why are we dying? You want that this week for me. Don't let people, let's don't let them deceive us. Especially, let's don't let ourselves deceive us. I got to tell you, as a 66-year-old man, one of the biggest things that I know, I know is going to be the worst battle you will have is you, will, you can deceive yourself. That's the worst thing you'll deal with. You can deceive yourself. No man, no one who remains in him keeps on sinning. No one who continues to sin has seen him or known him. I'm quoting 1 John. The one who practices righteousness is righteous, just as Christ is righteous. And the one who don't, ain't. I added that part. A friend of mine on Facebook, I've known this, this lady since we were teenagers. And over the years, I've talked to her, and 
And, uh, you know, she was going through a hard time, and I tried to minister to her a little bit. But she put this on Facebook, and I got to tell you, this thing she wrote got to me. I mean, I was on the tee box on number six, sharing this with Reggie, and it just, I just broke down. It just it, it caused a brokenness in me. It may not affect you, but I want you to hear how it affected me. And this is what it said. Father, forgive me for the times that I craved a place at a table that you would have flipped. Forgive me for the times that I craved a place at a table that you would have flipped. My relationship with Yahweh is very personal, very personal. And I love him, and I appreciate him. And I sure don't want to betray him by trying to be something that basically crucified him. I have a hard time having friendships with people or, or any kind of relationship with people who are the enemies of people that I love, who have tried to do them wrong to people that I love. I'm not talking about vengeance stuff. I can't put myself in a position because I have been known in public and in large gatherings to stand up. And as Joel said, I would say, excuse me, and speak against that kind of thing. This relationship that you have with God has to develop and grow. That's why marriage is such a precious thing. But a lot of people in all their relationships are still in kindergarten. It has to be developed. And it goes from glory to glory. And it goes from learning and die, you know, dying to yourself and, and uh, growing. And, and it has to be that way in the ecclesia. It has to be that way with family. You know, I'm, I mean, it just has to be that way. But especially, those are types and shadows to teach us how it has to be with God. The title of my message today, and I, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to finish everything I have here today, was making the grade. I do not want to be held back another grade, no matter what it costs, no matter what it does. And I know that we have to learn to love what he loves and hate what he hates. And then what happens is, then the power of all the things that are causing you all your problems. You, I want you to think of a problem right now that you have. A problem you have. I want to tell you, ultimately, your reaction to the problem. You can't necessarily prevent the problem or the, the circumstance, but your reaction that causes you the thing that bothers you is sin. Unbelief. Not trusting God. Not having e eternal uh, perspective, all these kind of things, and not being comforted by the presence of God because there's nothing that's going to comfort you like the Spirit of God. There's nothing that will comfort you like the Spirit of God. Nobody can. No, my wife can't comfort me like that. I mean, nothing, the Holy Spirit in me will soothe those things that cause me to be anxious and worried concern and all that that makes people very busy we'll never forget the day that i got free and i really gave it to god about ambition uh, does it visit me still yeah but i recognize it now so, oh i know you next so i want to pray over you today i want us to this morning to all come up here and let's have a graduation service let's move us right out of kindergarten and on to the first grade hallelujah i'm joking Will you take somebody by the hand? Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. We're in this together, guys. We're in this together. Yeah. Father, I know you know our hearts already. And I know you don't like wordy prayers. I just ask publicly, though, that you will restore your spirit. Restore your spirit. And I know you will if we will submit ourselves and 
open ourselves up to you. We don't want to repeat and go around the mountain again in our walk with you. Or I don't want this coming year to be like last year. I want it to be great or better, more brighter, happier, gladder. Because, not because of, of what we got or what we, we have, or, but, but who we are and what we have in the spirit realm and in the ecclesia and our relationship with you and each other. That we will know and we will be confident as we will become more like you. I speak that over your heart and minds today. Yahweh, those who are joined to this house and to me through their tithes and offerings, through their commitment and their faithfulness, and through like the first fruit offering, those things, Yahweh, I just pray that as we share that same vision and as I am speaking this blessing over them, that I pray that it will be reciprocated not back to me, but back to you, because I know that I'll get it back from you, and the cycle will be complete, and we'll bring praise and glory and honor. We break every yoke of people who want to be free. Lord, I pray that those people who don't want to be free, that you just give them their desire. Let them, let them live in their sin. If that's what they want, let them do it. But those of us who are serious about you, we pray that they all that they were trying to get, and and the nutrients in their part of the vine will come to the rest of us. And we will grow huge fruit. I'm talking about promised land fruit. I'm talking about huge grapes. It will be powerful. And we will be huge and mighty men and women of God in the earth. And you will do great exploits through us beginning in our power over sin. Amen. Amen. Y'all go have a good week.